Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 159 of The Yacking Show. That's right, we're creeping towards that 200 mark. It won't be too long, we'll be there. And as always, we have interesting guests to get you to have a new perspective on life and on the changing times we're going through. The first, I must introduce my co-host, Kathleen, and I will ask her to introduce our interesting guest because she does a much better job of it than I do. Uh, but to give Kathleen a plug she wears another hat and she can help you sort out any IT problems you might have in the way of recruiting people experts or getting someone to work on some of the issues you may have so that's something for Kathleen welcome Kathleen how are you doing today I'm doing great Peter thank you so much for that intro and thank you also very much for tuning into our show we so appreciate you and we love reading your comments so do please keep those coming we appreciate them and um, we have a wonderful guest with us today. And for those of you who know someone with Alzheimer's or some other type of dementia, or perhaps you don't even know, you're not sure, but you suspect it, this show will be very important for you to watch. We had our next guest with us uh, before, and she had so much to say that we couldn't possibly fit it in into a 30 to 40 minute segment. So we, had, we just wanted to have her back because there's so many important things that she wanted to share with you today. So welcome, Robin Smart. Robin, you are a public education coordinator for the Alzheimer's Society, Waterloo, Wellington. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm excellent. And I really appreciate being here. Uh, your, your smiles from both Peter and, and Kathleen warm, warm my heart. Uh, it's cold. It's snowing today. But we're going to put that out of our minds and we're going to focus on some really positive stuff. And uh, that's the message I'm bringing today is positivity. I've worked for the Alzheimer's Society, Waterloo Wellington for 16 years. And before that, I worked in long-term care for about 30 years. So I have had the pleasure and the privilege of working with people living with dementia for my lifetime. And what I want to do today is talk about 22 things that maybe you should know in the year 2022, I'm dating myself, in the year 2022. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some slides with you, but don't worry if you're just listening on the podcast, I'll make sure that there's nothing on a slide that you don't understand just where you are. So 22 things to know. The most important thing is the very first sentence. So if you have to leave early, take this with you. There is life after diagnosis, whether you are diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or any, any form of dementia, because you may not know what type of dementia you have. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But you need to know that after a diagnosis where the word dementia comes up, there is life to be lived. And we want to advocate for what we refer to as a person-centered approach because that's what improves quality of life for people with dementia and for everybody who cares about them. And so a person-centered approach really focuses on the person. It puts the person at the center of any services, any treatment, any interactions. And the focus is on the person and what they can do. It's not on their condition or their disability. And so, any support, uh, it focuses on achieving that person's, their aspirations or, or their desires, their needs, and it's tailored to be unique. 
It's tailored to their individual needs and circumstances. So person-centered approach, you put the person first. There was a campaign a few years ago and people living with dementia sent a message, a very clear message, and they sent postcards all over Ontario. And the postcard said, see me, not my disease. And that's a great mm -hmm. way of thinking of person-centered approach. So when we're talking about dementia, we're talking about a syndrome actually, or a collection of symptoms that can come from a wide variety of underlying disease processes. There's always an underlying disease process that affects the brain. And when the brain can no longer self-repair and self-regulate and keep up with this onslaught that the disease process causes, you start to see what we call dementia. Mm. So when we're talking about dementia, we're really talking about changes in memory, language, judgment, ability to perform daily tasks, and changes in personality and behavior that worsen over time. May I ask a question to that? Absolutely. Um, Robin, when you talk about memory, are we talking necessarily, is it short-term or long-term memory that is mostly affected? It depends on where somebody is in their journey of dementia. Okay. Usually, short-term memory is affected first. So oh. that's actually a brilliant question, Kathleen, because initially people start to notice lapses in short-term memory. We just had that conversation. I told you that last week. You forgot that appointment, that really important appointment. So short-term memory usually shows up first. But as the journey unfolds and people living with dementia can, can have the condition anywhere from two to 20 years. Hmm. Wow. So it's, a, it's a bit of a marathon. It's not a sprint. And over that time, uh, there will be continual changes to memory. Not only will short-term memory worsen, but long-term memory will eventually become affected too. Sorry, and these can change, I, oh, sorry. oh, I'm sorry, Peter. I just, um, I, I just had another question. So all these changes, when you say it can be like from two years to 20 years, mm -hmm. these changes, however minimal, can still be seen on a scan, right? On a brain scan. Is that, is that right? No, you, you usually, um, I'll be talking about diagnosing in a little while, but I'll just quickly speak to that. Okay. Because usually any of the dementias, because they are so uh, insidious when they start, they start so slow, so small, just a little thing here and a little thing there and things that can be explained away. And it's usually not until hindsight that you look mm -hmm. back and say, hmm, I think that started here. Um, yes, scans are often involved in making a diagnosis, but sometimes they're used to rule out as opposed to use to prove that somebody has something. They're going to look at a brain scan perhaps to make sure that you don't have a brain tumor, that you don't have normal pressure hydrocephalus, that you don't have a stroke, that there isn't another cause because mm. until the scans, until the, the disease is more advanced, it won't necessarily be picked up on a scan. Okay. Thank you. So, so I had a quick one on memory, if we can. It's probably a good yes, time to ask you. Is the level of memory loss consistent? Because the one person I know suffering from a form of dementia, on some days she was, I would consider, absolutely normal. And on other days, I didn't see her at her worst, but her family said, you know, you wouldn't recognize her. Her memory loss is so bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people will have good days and bad days. Right. People will have good times of day and worse times of day. Overall, if you were to draw a picture, it would look a little bit like a downwards arrow. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> but it's not a straight line within that yeah. overall trajectory of the downwards arrow. There are wibbles and circles yeah. and movement. Okay. So it also depends, Peter, a little bit on the type of dementia that somebody has. And I'm going right. to talk about that on this slide right now and maybe uh, give you a little more information mm -hmm. that might uh, help explain your comment. Okay. So when we talk about dementia, they consider it an umbrella term. They call it an umbrella term. So on my slide, I've got a picture of an umbrella. And under that umbrella, I have listed many different types of dementia that we at the Alzheimer's Society can support people with. I know that our name says we are the Alzheimer's Society, but we are truly the Alzheimer and related dementia society. Mm -hmm. Any kind of dementia, any kind of dementia at all, we're the go-to place. So the most common type of dementia that there is, is Alzheimer's disease. And Alzheimer's disease uh, tends to start with short-term memory, but it's a lot more than just memory loss alone. Uh, tends to strike more women than men and tends to strike after the age of 65. There's also a series of different types of dementia that are referred to as the frontotemporal diseases. That's because they start in the front and temporal, front and side lobes mm -hmm. of the brain, and they don't start with memory loss. Although they are true dementias, they would start more typically with loss of language, judgment, reasoning, and change in behavior, but not the memory piece there. Mm -hmm. It might come later in the disease process, but it wouldn't be the first sign and symptom, which is often true in Alzheimer's disease. Interesting. And there's something called Lewy body dementia. And I thought of this immediately when you asked your question, Peter, because with Lewy body dementia, People have real fluctuations in their ah. cognition, real fluctuations in their cognition. They also tend to have uh, movement disorder similar to Parkinsonian symptoms, mm -hmm. so rigidity and slowness. And people who, who have Lewy body dementia tend to see quite vivid visual hallucinations, children, oh. animals, people. Uh, mm -hmm. There's vascular dementia, and it can come from a single stroke or a series of small stroke transient ischemic attacks. Some people call it multi-infarct or mini strokes. Um, and there's a situation that we refer to as mixed dementia, where the most common mix is to have vascular and Alzheimer's at the same time. Same time. I am sorry to say that you can have more than one type of dementia at a time. You could have a mix of uh, Lewy body and Alzheimer's at the same time. And then the last under the umbrella says young onset dementia. And I just wanna put that out here for people to realize that you don't have to be a senior to have dementia. Uh, in Canada right now, there are over 16,000 people under the age of 65 that are diagnosed with dementia. So if it's under the age of 65 that you receive your diagnosis, it's referred to as young onset dementia. Wow. Uh, the most common young onset dementias are Alzheimer's or 
FTD, the frontal temporos. So that those are some of the types of irreversible dementias that we at the society can give you information and support and help with. And so I encourage you any, any type of dementia where your go-to place. So dementia is not a normal part of aging. People ask me, well, at age 85, they say one out of three people have dementia. And it's true, at age 85, about a third of the population will be experiencing dementia. But that means two thirds of the population are not experiencing mm -hmm. dementia. So just, just wanna uh, keep, keep it a little in balance. I've, I'm, as I mentioned, it can last anywhere from two to 20 years. And I think it's useful to think of it as a journey of adaptation because when you hear the word dementia, some people truly believe that's it. My life is over, it ended today. I heard that at 1024 at the doctor's office, that's it. And that's not the way it actually plays out. There is lots of life to be lived. There are moments of joy, there is quality of life, but it does require us to adapt and become um, more creative and more supportive in different ways as time goes on. So think of it as a journey of adaptation. There are four treatments available for Alzheimer's disease. And sometimes, sometimes these meds can be helpful in some of the other dementias. But when we're talking about uh, the dementias that I just spoke about, I'm so sorry to say, we are talking about situations where they don't have a cure. They have some treatments, but they don't have a cure at this point. And so when you do take medication, if you can take medication, and that's a discussion between your medical practitioner and, and yourself only, um, these medications are designed to help the brain cells communicate better with each other. And therefore you might function better on a day-to-day -day basis, but they don't stop the underlying disease process. Robin, may I ask um, another, yes. another question with respect to treatment? Has there Thank been you. any studies or any, anything to, um, to, to, to suggest that maybe some sort of natural treatments can, can help with a dementia? I think when, you, when you're talking about um, people for a while got excited about coconut oil and people got excited about ginkgo and people got excited about turmeric and in the long run, none of this was substantial. They did scientific studies and nothing came up as statistically significant. What is statistically significant is lifestyle choice. Mm. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but I'll just give you a heads up now. What we do, and it is absolutely never, ever, ever too late to start, and it's never too early to start, but what we do overall in our lifestyle makes a difference. So if we have a heart smart diet, if we get lots of physical exercise, and that's both aerobic and, uh, and weight training as well, uh, resistance training. If we challenge ourselves, stimulate ourselves cognitively. So thumbs up to everybody who's listening or watching today, you're doing something good for your brain. If we make sure that we stay socially connected, if we treat other comorbid disorders, if we have high blood pressure or high cholesterol or diabetes or other things that need to be treated, we take care of those. We ensure that we keep our stress in check and we get enough sleep. We watch our oral hygiene. 
all those things, all those lifestyle choice pieces, they add up together to make a big difference at the end of the day. So what we want to do is work a little bit more on our lifestyle than think that there's something in a bottle that we can mm -hmm. take that will mm -hmm. just solve the problem. Thank you. No, thank you. Excellent questions. Keep them coming. Uh, so I want to introduce you to a non-medical definition of dementia, because this is something that I think is a brilliant summary, and it's pretty easy for all of us to carry in, a, in our heads. It's by Dr. Alan Power, and he says, dementia is a shift in the way a person experiences the world around them. Dementia is a shift in the way a person experiences the world around them. And I think that is, as I said, an excellent summary. So what does that mean for us? If people living with dementia don't really see the world and experience the world exactly the same way we are, not that everybody experiences it exactly the same way, but if, if their reality is a little different than our reality, what does that mean for us? We have to remember that everyone's journey with dementia is unique, absolutely individual totally unique. Um, you might know, uh, I know several situations that I'm thinking of some friends of mine and uh, both parents had dementia. They each had a different type of dementia and it played out completely differently, even though they both had dementia. One paintbrush does not paint everybody. So are you saying, it could, is it hereditary? No. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Everybody's journey is unique. Okay. Everybody has their own individual path with dementia. Okay. So if you've met one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia only. Mm -hmm. um, there are some forms of dementia that are slightly more likely to be inherited, but uh, age is the biggest risk factor. Age trumps family history, for example, when it comes to Alzheimer's disease. People are so convinced that it's going to be inherited, but age is a much bigger risk factor. Every five years after age 65, your risk doubles. Wow. It is wow. really, uh, there is an inheritable form, but it's so rare. It's less than 5% of all the cases in the world are actually the familial autosomal dominant inheritable form. And it strikes early. It tends to strike people in their 40s and early 50s. Oh, interesting. Thank you. Yeah. So everybody has their own journey, that's for sure. And it's super important for us to recognize that people uh, can often still think, but they think more slowly. And so the ability to process is slowed down. And because people's processing ability is slowed down, they don't tend to do well in crowded, noisy, rushed situations. Those are things that might overwhelm somebody living with dementia. This, this, I think, is key. Emotions remain throughout the disease process. So if I had dementia, I would retain the ability to feel my own emotions, but I would probably lose the ability to control those emotions the same way. It's as if the volume dial for my emotions got broken and I can't just dial it back down again, but I'm gonna feel what I feel. Depending on the type of dementia, some people uh, can be a little less empathetic. They might lose the ability to appreciate how someone else is feeling, but they will always feel their own emotions. 
And people go on believing what their brain is telling them, even when the brain isn't necessarily giving them reliable data. We've all relied on our brains all our lives, and we don't lose that habit after dementia occurs. So my advice, uh, my request, my, my beg is, if your reality and the reality of a person living with dementia doesn't align, please don't fight and argue with them over who's right and who's wrong. Uh, they believe what they believe because their brain is feeding them particular information. But I've got to jump in there, Robin. That the yep. last two years, the last two years are living examples that that applies to many more people than those with dementia. <laughs> yeah, that that might be. <laughs> I'm not one to pick a fight with just about anybody over anything myself. No, um, I know, but but talking but about <laughs> believing different things and uh, yep, yep. You know. there's a lot of different theories and beliefs out there. The yep. thing is, if you have a healthy brain and you believe something and I believe something, there is an opportunity for uh, if we choose to have an interaction about that. Sure. And I can speak and you can speak and we go back and forth. I think what happens is people want to correct the person living with dementia right. and they want to bring them to the here and now. Mm -hmm. And that can be pretty scary if your brain is telling you something completely different. Sure. So no, you're I, absolutely I understand. right. Um, and the other piece of this is that no matter what your words say, People living with dementia are very sensitive to nonverbal communication because of one of the things that happens with dementia is that often vocabulary becomes diminished. People start to lose their vocabulary. They lose nouns. They can't follow pronouns. They lose the ability to finish a thought. They often substitute incorrect words or rhyming words. And so although the words come out of our mouths, uh, people are really following our, our nonverbal, mm -hmm. our body talk, our tone of voice, our gestures, our indicators to them, our looks, et cetera. So you have to be so careful to mean what you say and say what you mean, because always the body talk is going to trump for sure the words. Hmm. And people with dementia are, are adults and they need to be treated as adults even when you're giving the kind of help that you might give a child. Mm -hmm. and, and that's hard to bear in mind because if you have to help somebody get dressed or you have to help somebody in the washroom or you're helping somebody eat, there is a tendency sometimes to maybe a little patronizing or you know change the pitch of your voice to that high sing-songy pitch that sometimes gets used with children. And, um, when people develop dementia, they've been adults for decades, decades, mm -hmm. and they have adult sensibilities. And they don't lose the adult sensibilities. They lose some function in their life, but they don't lose those adult sensibilities. Mm -hmm. And don't forget that ability to feel emotion remains. Mm -hmm. So we want to keep it ad adult to adult, simplified maybe, but adult to adult. Bottom line is that good dementia care is really about as much as possible keeping people emotionally comfortable, mm -hmm. right? Not, not rock. You know, there's a phrase out there about that rocked my world. You don't want to rock their world in a bad way. You don't want to put something out there to them that's going to be upsetting and scary that they can't absorb because their brains are no longer processing the same way. Mm -hmm. 
So isn't it interesting? I've thrown up a list of things and it says needs of people with dementia. It says respect, emotional closeness, autonomy, to be valued, dignity, holistic care. And isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. That's what every human being needs. That's what everybody needs. So the people that have dementia and they're living with some form of dementia, their needs are no different than ours, but they need a little bit more. They have those same needs, uh, but they, they need a little bit more. They tend to need adapted environments. So that means environments with good lighting so that there aren't shadows to confuse. It means environments with good cue finding or wayfinding in them. Mm -hmm. They might need modified tasks, um, certainly enhanced communication techniques. And that's where we have to do some learning and uh, educated caregivers. So I want to give a, a real clap and I'm applauding on screen. If you're on the uh, podcast, I promise I'm applauding right here, right now for you. Anybody who comes and learns anything about dementia is definitely a step ahead. And you're helping yourself and anybody you might interact with and anybody else that you might share this information with. So thank you very much. Now, this is a little bit about how you can diminish your risks or possibly slow the progression of dementia. And here are the key strategies. And I mentioned a few of them earlier, but I just want to mm -hmm. go through them. This getting regular physical exercise is huge. And the reason that you want to do both aerobics and resistance training is that the aerobics piece, when you, you know, get your heart rate up there, you release something in your brain called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. Don't bother memorizing that. Just know that what it does is it acts like a fertilizer. So it acts like something that will enhance your ability to learn and remember. So physical exercise, really important. And the strength training for functionality, uh, very, very important. Eating a heart smart diet. There is a diet out there called the MIND, M-I-N-D diet. But you can get the most information and the most recipes on the Mediterranean eating plan. Mm. And that's certainly what we would recommend people towards. So I have a real sweet tooth, but it's cutting back on the sugar, cutting back on the refined products, ensuring that um, you, know, you, you have more vegetables, more leafy greens, more fruits, more fish, less red meat. Uh, challenging your brain, and that can be doing anything, anything at all, as long as it's new and different. When we ask our brains to just do the same thing over and over, that's exactly what it does. It fires up the same set of neurons over and over again. So we wanna do, variety is the spice of life. We wanna do a variety of things. Definitely want to maintain or increase social interaction. There is a correlation between isolation and dementia. So what we want to do is we want to try our very best to ensure that folks have as much contact with other people and conversation as is possible. Uh, protecting your head for sure. I mean, your brain, you've only got one and there are no spare parts. You can't go anywhere, not even on Amazon. Can you get spare parts for a brain? So what you want to do is protect your head from blows. That's everything from wearing a seatbelt in the car to ensuring that you have good fitting, well-gripped footwear, uh, making sure there aren't tripping hazards in the house like cords or loose scatter mats. 
And if you're any sort of sport that's a contact sport, you want to have the right helmet and equipment for it. Um, reducing stress, however that looks for you. It can look like mindfulness or meditation or just doing some deep breathing. It can look like taking a yoga class or it could look like going for a beautiful walk. Maybe not in the snow, maybe in the snow, depends on what <laughs> you like. But uh, every day doing something to bring your stress level down and doing your very best to have what they refer to as good sleep hygiene. And that's a good routine to help you get to sleep and stay asleep. It's while you're asleep that basically your brain gets cleaned out. And so we really want to in ensure good sleep for folks. I just want to put a, a little plug in here for, for care partners, people who are uh, helping to support people living with dementia. Super, super important that care partners care for themselves. If you don't take care of yourself, you really won't have the strength and the ability to care for somebody else long-term. Mm -hmm. And so we at the society, we have a wide variety of services that can be of benefit to you. And uh, I'm gonna go through some of those later. So please don't hesitate to, to be in touch and take advantage of those. The price is right. They are offered at no charge. Ain't nobody can't afford no charge. So I know I said it before, but it's certainly worth saying again, the Alzheimer's Society is here to offer help and support for any, any type of dementia. And our services, I've just said that, they're offered at no charge to our clients. You don't need a special referral. You can self-refer. All you have to do is phone us or send us an email. That's all you have to do. I don't recommend you just show up in person right now. We're still under COVID protocols. Uh, some of our offices are not fully open. So please think about making a phone call or sending an email and we'll get back to you. And Robin, just to be clear, yes. the society is not just for those that have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's also for the people, the support system, family and friends, right? That need Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. 100%. Good, good, good point. And, you know, in a way, I was going to talk uh, a little bit about when you can use the Alzheimer's Society services. So that was a brilliant segue, Catherine. There you go. Kathleen, <laughs> that was good. We offer services for any stage, any stage of the dementia journey. And we offer our services as long as they're required. And often people come to us before the diagnosis mm -hmm. because they come and they say, I'm worried. Should I be worried? Is this normal? Is this not normal? What, what's, you know, what's up here? Should I go to the doc? How do I prepare for a doctor's appointment? How do I get ready? How do I get my, my family member uh, to, to go to the doc? But I'm awfully worried about them and they're not worried about themselves at all. So we often start seeing people even before a diagnosis. So if you're worried about memory, we're, we're the come, place to come to. So these are some of the services that, that we offer. We have supportive counseling. We have a great social work team. We have uh, our masters of social work uh, for, for all of our, our uh, staff there. And uh, they just are, are awesome at uh, working with you. Uh, we have social and recreational programming and that's available six days a week. Some of it is designed for people living with dementia on their own. Uh, in the early and, and mid stage where they can can participate. And some of it is uh, offered virtually. 
So if you are interested, uh, certainly be in touch and I'll talk about uh, some of what we offer in a moment in Minds in Motion. We have everything from um, sort of uh, social coffee hours to games hours to music programming. Um, we offer something called Minds in Motion. Now I know that you've heard of it because you heard me last time, but it's a fabulous program. And if you're not familiar with it, it combines everything in one. So it's the biggest bang for your buck, except we don't charge you when you do it virtually with us. And it is a program where somebody living with dementia and their care partner would come together. And the first 45 minutes is physical exercises done by a special qualified uh, exercise specialist. And then the last 45 minutes is an interactive time with cognitive stimulation and social interaction. So at the end of your hour and a half, you have ticked off several of those boxes of things that are excellent for your brain health. You've done it in a supportive environment where you're with other people who are having the same kinds of experiences you are having so that you feel relaxed and comfortable and uh, you can meet uh, your peers and, and interact with your peers. We offer a wide variety of education and uh, thank you very much for having me on today. I know that we will post your podcast on our education channel. Excellent. So, uh, oh yeah, happy, happy to do that. Um, and we have support groups, a variety of, of different support groups, uh, even for people whose family member is in long-term care or retirement homes, uh, for, for people with young onset dementia support groups, spouses, family, friends, a wide variety of them. This is our contact information, and uh, I just want folks to know that it's a free phone call. I, I know I said that before, but it's important that you know nobody's going to be asking you to pay anything. Um, there are some symbols down the side, and although we are on all sorts of social media platforms, these are the ones that I think are the most common for folks to be using, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and then the last symbol here is the symbol for the YouTube channel, the one that looks like a television with a triangle in the middle of it. And if you go to our website, and this is our website here, and it's a live link. If you were to go to our website and scroll to the very bottom of the page, just the first page, go down as far as you can go down, you would see these symbols. And if you click on the uh, YouTube or the television symbol, it will take you right to a page, our YouTube channel, with educational videos, recreational videos, exercise videos, a little something for everybody there. We've got our offices listed here. And if any of your listeners are in the Guelph area, they might be interested to know that we have a new office on Wellington Street. Mm -hmm. And so uh, please be sure you look up our address uh, phone before you come, we'll give you good directions. We'll tell you how to find us in our new location. So that's really the 22 things that I wanted to run over. My, my summary slide says that the person living with dementia cannot help their behavior. It's caused by an organic brain disease. So we need to change ourselves and the environment. And that's the bottom line. And now I'm going to stop the share and we can have a a conversation and you can ask the questions that you'd like to ask. I, I've got one. You, you sort of answered it during the, um, during your, your slideshow. It strikes me that Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia are 
a condition that's aggravated by an affluent lifestyle. I wouldn't say just a Western lifestyle because I know it affects people in Asia, for instance, who live the similar. And I, I ask that because having spent most of my life in Africa, I would say that amongst rural Africans in tribal areas, it, it's rare. Sure, life expectancy is low compared to here, but there are many fully functioning 85 and even 90 year old rural Africans living and their brains are functioning 100%. So is it aggravated by our lifestyle, total lifestyle? I think that lifestyle can play into it. I think that um, sometimes it's hard to compare country to country or sure. across the world because sure. the way it's recognized, the way it's diagnosed, the way statistics are kept, the way the medical systems work, all are a little bit different. So you sure. don't want to be comparing apples and oranges necessarily, but we know that if you are sedentary, if you are not cognitively stimulated, if you are isolated, if you have medical conditions that are left untreated, you have a higher risk. Right. For sure. So yeah, <laughs> when you, you look at the blue zones, you look at people that have uh, less caloric intake yep. and tend to be very socially interactive and very yep. physical every day of their lives. Correct. That's that's the sort of people I'm referring to. So here's another quick one before I hand yeah. over to Kathleen. We've got to be cognizant of time. Mm -hmm. um, eccentricity, is, is that necessarily an indicator of some sort of dementia or, or just the way Everybody's people are? Everybody's an individual. So what you're measuring, Peter, is... Is it different than they were before? If they right. were eccentric all their lives, it's just not a marker. Okay. But if okay. they never did it and then they start doing something that's a little odd, then you might want to look at it. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair comment. And I have a question, Robin, and I know this, you know, that you might have to take a little bit of time to answer this one, but if you suspect, if anybody out there has a relative and they suspect may have some cognitive decline. That is such a, um, a sensitive topic to take up with that person. How do they do that? Would the Alzheimer's Society help in trying to bring up that conversation with the person? I was just gonna say, there's no one answer. Mm. Every situation is different. Every situation is individual, but yes, the Alzheimer's Society would help. I think we can help in several ways. First of all, we've got the information about what's normal aging versus abnormal aging. Mm -hmm. So the first thing somebody needs to do is actually arm themselves with some knowledge and look at the situation. So you might want to be uh, checking out our website for the 10 warning signs or checking out our website on how to prepare for a doctor's appointment. But let's say you're not website savvy. Let's say you're, you're not somebody who's comfortable on the internet then you will want to make an appointment and come in and talk to one of our, one of our staff. Um, everybody is different. And so how you approach it will vary from person to person. Some families, it's like, let's both go get checked. Then there's no finger pointing. Mm -hmm. I'm getting checked, you're getting checked. It's baseline for both of us. We're both going to do it. We both do it each time. Or no, we're going for our flu shot. Don't worry, we're going, we're getting our flu shot, but you've already maybe given the doctor a heads up that you're a little concerned and they can mm -hmm. bring the subject up. Okay. Um, some people, uh, it just may be a very honest conversation. Mom, dad, you know what? I am worried. This is what I saw. 
this is what I think. Right. So it will vary. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we're just about out of time, Robin, but you did um, mention the how to contact you. And I know that uh, Peter will put the captions up for those of you who are uh, just listening to the podcast. So no worries for you. And um, thank you so I much. For say the phone on. number out loud for yes, folks. Yes, absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, just uh, giving you time to get your pen and paper ready there. It's 519-742-1422. So Robin. I figured most people were on this podcast would be savvy on the computer, but just in case you want to call in, there you go. And uh, as Kathleen said, we'll put your website address in the description for people who are listening to it on one of the many podcast platforms. But you just want to say that again so that they pick it up once more, your website address. Sure. It's www.alzheimerww.ca. Alzheimer is spelled A-L-Z-H-E-I-M-E-R-W-W.ca. Thank you. Thanks. Both of you so much. It's been an absolute delight, Robin. And we are so grateful to have you on the show today, because as we mentioned, it's such an important topic and Mm -hmm. so much information that uh, the people in our community needs to hear about. So thank you very much. And on behalf of uh, Peter and myself, thank you for tuning in. And once again, we love reading your comments. So keep those coming. And until next time, take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks.